0: To this bonus episode. Uh, it's going to focus on Porter's Five Forces and we're going to do it by having an interview with Daniel Hart who's a serial entrepreneur and I hope that will be interesting in itself and he doesn't stick just to the script so do listen out um, for everything Daniel has to say. What we're going to be covering is applying the Porter's Five Forces to uh, this business of Daniel's which is as a middleman really between farmers and growers and supermarkets and uh, you'll see that there are various aspects to this, such as very strong buyer power, uh, high risk of being substituted by the supermarkets taking over, um, actually quite high rivalry with other competitors coming in, and actually, suppliers, those. Those farmers and growers actually have a certain amount of power as well, all of which says this is going to be a really tough business. And I think that comes out. But also, um, and this is very important from Porter's perspective, not just to take that as a given, but to look for ways to reduce those powers so that you not so much of the profitability is sucked out of your business. And uh, Daniel talks quite a lot about how he felt he did that and how in the end uh, he wasn't able to continue that. And you'll learn all about that um, and so, you know, those forces don't go away, um, but that doesn't mean they're always something that you can't fight back against, although, you know, there's there's a certain amount of reality that bites, shall we say. Anyway, uh, I hope it will all be extremely interesting for you. I would just like to say a couple of things about the background to this, because uh, we don't go into that during the episode. First of all, it's about Asda, uh, or a business serving Asda, which is a UK supermarket, uh, that supermarket is owned actually by Walmart from Bentonville in the US, which I'm sure many of you have heard of. Uh, and um, Daniel also refers to Alan Layton, who was the CEO of Asda at the time. So just a little bit of background now over to Daniel and the podcast. Before we start, can you just give us a bit of an introduction to your business career, as I know you've done quite a few things and, and you continue to, to to do new things?
1: Yeah, I initially started off in the, in the city working uh, in trading uh, London Metal Exchange and foreign exchange. Um, then I had moved over to the American exchanges and then lastly came back and got involved in, um, in a setting up of um, um, a restaurant in the Docklands, when the Docklands was um, in its early stages with the Daily, jointly with the Daily Telegraph. And then I went into the produce industry, which is a, is a family business set up by my father. And uh, it's plying fruit and vegetables to the supermarkets. From there, my, I was sent over to Spain to learn Spanish and to set up a farming business which um, I had no experience, didn't have any Spanish or <laughs> experience in farming. So I learned very quickly and I built a factory and uh, became one of the biggest producers of um, broccoli um, and cauliflower for the UK supermarkets. So um, then once I got that up and running, I came back to the UK to learn about the supermarket end of the business i mean there's there's two sizes one one working in a family business um, right. is can be quite difficult mm-hmm. um, so uh it took a while to adapt to that but the business in the u k um, is in, essentially importing and packing and distribution to the uh to the u k supermarkets. The main customer was tesco's and uh in those days um tesco's would um would would hit you over the head, and you would just say uh, yes because you didn't want to lose the business. So that's how I started off. I've late latterly learned that actually um, you can um, you can actually create a very good relationship with with the buyers, and, and 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 if you network reasonably high up in the retail with retailers, you actually can get a, a good relationship and a good deal out of them and make a living.
0: OK, so, I mean, I think the main message there is is just uh, you've had a really wide range of um, activities and, and the kind of common thread there is how entrepreneurial you are. And uh, therefore, you're not a great user of strategy frameworks, I imagine, on a regular basis. But you have actually have a huge intuitive feel for all the things that strategists should be thinking about. And I wanted to use this podcast actually just to illustrate, because I've talked to you about this before, yeah. Um, some of the interesting characteristics of that fruit uh, business, where you're supplying Tesco and other supermarkets, and we've mm. we've introduced to our listeners the Porter's Five Forces. I'll very briefly remind people of what that is. Sorry for you to have, having to listen to this, but um, the idea here is that there are forces on an industry which can suck the profitability out of it. For example, one is rivalry. The more competition there is, the more prices get driven the lo- uh, down. Um, the lower the profits. Uh, The negotiating power of buyers and suppliers is another of the two two and three. Um, And then number four is how easily new entrants could enter the segment. Number five is the existence of cost-effective substitutes. And we covered the kind of theory of that and some examples in a previous podcast. But what we didn't talk much about, we mentioned it, is but, you you know, you don't have to accept those forces. Okay, buyers have a negotiating power, but what can you do to counteract it? And I know your story is a really interesting one um, to do with that. So we're going to try and kind of apply that framework. I'll try and keep things on track a bit, and Daniel, no doubt, will yeah interesting other things to say. So I may interrupt a bit. I apologize. Just just for the sake of our, our listeners and try and relate this to the five four. But, you know, if we could discuss a little bit, about the nature of that business, which you already have said, actually, you know, that Tesco will tell you, that's what I want, and you just have to do it. And you've always really given a hint of how you dealt with that. Um, So let's go into that a little bit more detail. You were big providers of fruit to supermarkets. Could you tell us a little bit more about that business, and perhaps describe first, you know, that if you don't do anything about it, what do they do to you? How does that drive your profits down? And then we'll get to what you did to stop that happening. And make some margin um but first perhaps we can sort of look at the dark side what's it like what's the bad side of being a supplier to supermarkets when I mean, you're the middleman in fact uh
1: the bad side is that um they will just suck all the profitability out of your business yeah and um you end up um well you end you end up having to close your business down mm. uh they have they've very, they've they, they, while in when they i mean over the years they um, were quite remote from from where the supply chain was coming. You know how it was formed and what, where was, all the products was coming from. But as they as they got cleverer, more cleverer, um, they realised that actually by uh, creating a database of who the suppliers, the the growers are, uh, who the ship, who the who does the transport, they they realised that actually they can do it themselves. Right. So so. Uh, by, by they just got closer and closer to the end where ultimately, um, you wanted to stay in business, you had to just do what they wanted to do and hope that you would be able to pay your bills at the end of it, right? And then, and then when you got to that, got you in the corner there, they then squeeze you even more to the extent where you just end up, um, they either sack you or you just have to effectively delist your customer.
0: really interesting so i think that sounds like a really good description of a situation in which the buyer has a lot of power uh, plus they have a credible threat of substituting for you by basically doing your job um which makes it really hard um and and that because you're a middleman it makes it even harder than if you were just say uh, um a fruit grower um at least one would think that a supermarket probably can't reverse integrate into growing the fruit itself, and therefore it it can't substitute for um, the grower themselves.
1: The co-op, for instance, um, they do have their own growers,
0: and they oh. do grow
1: themselves. So, so, um, so retailers can can do it, but even but what happens in all big corporates is they're all different set uh, profitability centres. So um so even they would have the rivalry of the, the their own even if it was their own growers uh they would still be negotiating with them to to get the right right deal
0: yeah so what did and, you do um because at times there you were very successful
1: yes no, i mean it's um in in the early days it was it was really trading and it wasn't so there wasn't that tight control so if they wanted to pay a, a certain price you would find a product from a particular country that would fulfill that that price um so for instance um if it was eggs you would instead of buying british eggs you might buy eggs from poland because right. poland cheaper so uh, we would be doing the same we would buy um we instead of buying apples from um, South Africa, we might buy them which have been stored in Poland for a while because they uh, because they'd be cheaper and they'd be the same quality. They wouldn't be as fresh, so effectively the customer suffers at the end of the day because they're not getting the freshest product. But you're you're satisfying the customer, the, the retailer, because he can give the right retail price, the right retail price, and uh, we can make our margin. But as time went on, it became. Uh, it became more controlled so uh, you literally were only allowed to work with particular growers at particular times of the year so um, it got to a stage where if you didn't uh, if you weren't clever enough you would end up uh, just losing so for a while um, it worked quite well for us because um we uh, we you, 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 we worked with them on a, delivering a strategy. Now, ASDA is is the one is, is, is a very big one where we created a strategy uh, with um, Walmart in Bentonville, um, where uh, we would create a, a effectively a sole supplier of all produce for 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 ASDA, and eventually that could be for the whole Walmart group. Yeah. But um, in retail, things you might have a strategy, but things can change overnight. And actually, uh, even though Walmart owns ASDA, um, they're very two independent businesses for from the day-to-day running point of things. But uh, it's about um, understanding how corporates work, and then working within that to make sure that you remain a part of it. So it's very important to network. Uh, at the right level and right. to take take any opportunity of meeting somebody from the main board to go in there and 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 make yourself befriend them so for instance there was the as the fashion show which um took place in kensington and um we i had the opportunity to uh, meet alan layton there so um, <laughs> a humble supplier I was uh, went up right. to him and started talking to him. And then he said, oh, great, great. So uh, then he then uh, palmed me off onto one of the other board members. And, and and that way you got to get to know them. And there was Mike Coop, for instance, who knew me by, got to know me by name. And um, I could, when he went to Sainsbury's, I got a, a a meeting with him quite easily. I got his mobile number. Which, uh, which didn't actually get me anywhere in the end of the day with Sainsbury's. But, um, but the point is that um, it can get you somewhere. So
0: you're, you're doing somewhere. everything you can just to es- sort of escape the grinding bureaucracy of the machine and always yeah. be a little bit ahead, or maybe an analogy as a surfer, you're always ahead of that big crashing wave. Yeah. Because because you
1: understand that, that they're all different pay grades right uh looking at it very simplistically and someone who's a buyer is looking to to to, to further their career and, yeah. and move up the chain and if they see that you're you're mates with um someone on the main board they they treat you with more respect and they want to be your friend
0: right it's interesting because you know porter described this as an economist as forces and you're describing it as sort of an organizational dynamic i mean the force is there but 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 actually, it's a social machine, and if you kind of get to know the right people, you can, you can, for example, get a buyer to behave differently. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It's it's like surfing through um, through against the current.
0: Yeah, and but eventually, that business did close, right? Is that yeah?
1: Kind of- because because in well in, in the dynamic in the business, which is quite dynamic, like produce, where margins are very slight and um, there's a lot of competition. Uh, it's very easy to be be knocked off, and um, I uh, took a back back seat and brought in that CEO to to run the business, who was of um, FMCG background, but um, he wasn't very good at networking at the top. He would he was very good at uh, uh, you know whining and dining buyers, but that's as far as it really went. And he had opportunities, for instance, with Richard Baker, and I left it for him to deal with, and he failed miserably. So um, we started um, on this uh, slippery uh, pole go- going backwards, going downwards, Right. because um, we were no longer at the top of the tree. So um, it allowed us to be vulnerable.
0: And could um, I just check on there as well that you mentioned about r- sort of rivalry and other competition? Were there other people bidding for your business, other agents? All the time, all, all the, the time. time. So the you've time. got rivalry in Porter's language. You've got three of those forces. They could substitute for your services. They can get another person to do them, which is rivalry. Yeah. and they've also yeah, got I mean, it, negotiating power. Exactly.
1: And, and there's um, and, and then there you, what also happens is that you get um, growers coming and saying, oh, they're not paying us enough money for the product. So, they're, so it, it starts making them believe that you're making too much margin out of their business.
0: And are the suppliers, do the suppliers also have some negotiating power that sometimes you do have to give them some extra margin, even if it's quite tight because you really yes. supply. Yes. Or, so, so
1: for instance, uh, it's to the extent where that's um, um, a container load of apples would arrive, and it would have a problem with it. Um, might be that the, pro, the, the 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 apples are are slightly more mature than they need to be, and uh, because of that we need to, uh, to have a sorting uh, done on them where you would have to put them over a line and add cost to the product. And because a product might be in short supply or it might be that because we need the product because you must always have 100% delivery right. with the retailer because they can't afford to have something off the shelves, uh, the supplier will say, well, we're not prepared to accept a claim on it if you if you will take it away uh, and uh, that's fine. But if you want to use it, you've got to pay the price. So uh, it might cost say it's, um, twenty grand, twenty grand uh, uh, um, cost, and to to do the uh, sorting job on it, it might cost you five grand. You you could end up losing five grand on it just because right. the that's because of the supermarket has to have hundred percent availability. The supplier has that hold over you
0: so yeah so that's a fourth force there okay it does sound tough and um i guess you know one way i think it is like you said it's sort of surfing these really tough waters it takes quite some entrepreneur to do that but but eventually even the best surfer might fall off the board or the business yeah well i i I would would say say
1: not necessarily no i'd say if you it's a sort of um it's not a one-man business but it, it but you could say it is because i do know other produce companies who are still going but right. they they are doing what i stopped doing they carried on doing it so they they, <laughs> they 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 run they keep running it the whole time they don't back off and have someone else doing it for them
0: how and just I the last um, point to sort of broaden this a bit as an entrepreneur who's done all these different things how important do you think it is to, to sort of think strategically and be thinking about strategy versus other things like building an organisation, hiring the right people, you know, f- following up on all sorts of operational issues? We, we have to do all of that. Um, where, mm. Obviously,
1: when you start something and you haven't got the, uh, the training for it, you, what we did was we, we brought in consultants uh, over the time and they helped us to put the structure in Mm-hmm. And once you start getting the structure in, you appreciate how to do it and you follow those guidelines. So so you build up your, your strategy. Um, you, you, you know, we have regular board meetings. Uh, the minutes are circulated. We would invite um, one of the managers from the shop floor in. The, we employ quite a lot of people. I mean, we would have, um, mm-hmm. we had two depots in the UK, which must have employed about, 150 people. Yeah. Then we had we had um, um, mm-hmm. the operation in Spain, which employed about 250 people. Uh, so you do have to you do have to have a strategy. It, the way I'm talking, I'm quite uh, I suppose maybe maybe seem to be a bit flippant and uh, it, it's just like uh, you know um, juggling a load of balls. It's not like that at all. You you have to have a proper structure. We right. we, we we actually came second uh, number runs up number two in the Sunday Times best companies to work for. Yeah, uh, I remember that the, the, the people investors and people award. Uh, gold award on that we, You know we have we've, we've done all, we did all those things but I didn't necessarily do those myself I would employ people I had an HR department yeah. I would employ managers directors so
0: so I had a very strong team um, but would you say that um, looking across all the ventures you've had um, strategic thinking is important for you or is it something different or is that part of the mix for example, some this, people say entrepreneurs are really good at just smelling an opportunity. They're not necessarily strategic. They just get in there, they develop it as far as they can, and they either sell out.
1: You know, I would say that uh, you have to be strategic to, to, to survive. Right. Um, but in produce, I could see that uh, the only way that we would have survived was to be swallowed up into this, effectively become ASDA. Right. And I didn't really want to do that. Yeah. I didn't have to be working up in, in Leeds. Uh, cool. So I decided to um, to take my chances and start up again. Yeah. Now, I had, had, a, had I – and, again, that was a strategic decision. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I could see the writing on the wall, and I could see that um, the, the, the CEO that we headhunted was – um, was never going to uh, give give it uh, enable us to be independent of that because originally, originally the strategy that we set up was to create this business and um, which would effectively be seen as ASDA, but it would not be ASDA. It would eventually ASDA could buy it if they wanted to, right? An independent business, but it was a, it was a, it was solely set up for ASDA.
0: Interesting example. I've certainly actually learned quite a lot about the business just talking it through again. And I hadn't realized, I think, how many other, you know, that suppliers actually had some power and there was a lot of rivalry. So there's yeah, uh, a lot of forces. Like you said, it's interesting to hear that maybe in the end, the best place for this to be was as part of Asda eventually. Um, but of course, that didn't necessarily fit your individual desires and wasn't something you were so interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which we also talk about in actually in other episodes about how, you know, you have to understand that the kind of the purpose of an organization if it's if it's very focused around an individual entrepreneur and shareholder then it's going to be a lot to do with what they want to do with it yes lives no but, but in
1: my case i wanted it to continue uh, without me having to be uh, directly involved in the day-to-day so right, right. Uh, I, I i took a took a back seat and was involved um you know, in board meetings, right. and I could see that. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have the right person at the helm. It may have been different had we had the right person. But right. What, I do, what I do know is that with the right person at the helm, produce businesses, even though it's um, it's affected by uh, massively by the five forces, mm. we you can. You but can, I think <laughs> I think also age, age has a big um, age and family life mm-hmm. uh, is a big influence on how you think. Right. And uh, in my case, I'd I worked very, very hard to build it. And I felt that... Um I wanted to uh, enjoy my life <laughs>
0: yeah yeah no that's
1: that's just such I, an important part of business isn't it yeah and i think the coronavirus is actually probably got a lot of people who are rethinking their lives now sure. of you know way way for instance just commuting to london every day um, yeah. just living the life where they don't see their family and and make some things some people might actually think well actually yes i'm quite happy now i know why i do that. and there's other people who think well, no, actually, I, I, I pre- I'd rather be around more. So they, they re- they'll, you know, reshape their, their strategy on life.
0: Yeah, I always think of you as somebody who thought a lot about what you wanted to do with your life and not just your business. You know, you you yes. your business around what you wanted and kept your holidays going and everything.
1: Exactly. I think that's a very, very important thing because we all have a limited time of when we can do. Yeah. But I mean, as I said, there are there are there are many. There are there are many suppliers who are still, are still out there. Um, yeah, and and they're they're probably getting a reasonable living out of it. Um, yeah. but they are having to be very hands on.
0: Yeah, I think you know the the five forces argument isn't that these businesses always go bankrupt, but it's a bit like airlines, which are sort of famously low profitability. They they don't disappear. <laughs> mm. It's just. No, but- you know, I mean, they,
1: I kept going. I mean, I had it going in my back garden. I had uh, three or four people working for me. Yeah, and yeah. I, I moved on to supply Greg's. And we were, we, uh, were doing, we were doing bananas and grapes and apples and pears to them. And, and, and that was working quite well. Well, that's um, the
0: difference with airlines, I suppose. You didn't have huge fixed costs. So you didn't make huge losses. If the business went away, you could downsize and change things and move it to your yeah. garden and so on. I hope you enjoyed that illustration of applying the Porter's five forces to a real business. And uh, perhaps you can also see that, you know, this is a frame, the set of frameworks that you can use as a strategist. But when you're interacting with uh, business people, you kind of have to talk in their language and 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 work with the ideas they have. I mean, Daniel, he doesn't really care about Porter's Five Forces, but he knows a hell of a lot about it. And uh, um, that's an important skill to learn as a strategist is how not to take your particular language and terms into a conversation, but more to engage with other people. Um, I hope I did that okay. Um, But just just wanted to comment on that. And uh, yeah, also just I hope you enjoyed the story, which I I think a lot of people find it um, is quite tough just to stick with tools, 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 and even if they are illustrated with examples, but to just get a sense of, well, does this really matter? Does this actually happen? Um, Just to say some other words, Daniel's gone on to all sorts of other things, um, property, various forms of property development, Import export businesses, which I guess you know builds on his previous experience, and he's always trying things out and doing new things. So I'm sorry we didn't have time to talk about all of that. All the best, everyone, and see you for the next episode.